Oh my days! Welcome back to Tom's Takes. This is me, Tom Patterson. Uh, whatever time it is for you, wherever you are right now, I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for coming back and listening to episode six of Tom's Takes. Uh, another busy week. Um, yeah, like when I talked about at the start of last podcast, me being a bit of a a bit of a yes man to all the teaching. I think it was like a a sign or a bit of karma that the universe was going. Oh, yeah, you want to be a yes man to it? Let's let's test how many how many yeses you'll you'll say uh, to covering everybody um, at Sydney Uni with the like musculoskeletal like teaching uh, about sort of private practice or you know common sort of sport injuries or I know there's different uh, units of studies like there's more you know, this sport or private practice type of physio work that I'm currently sort of teaching at the moment, but they also have other classes about like, you know, neurological things to do with like the spinal cord or our brain, um, things about like cardiovascular, cardio, cardiopulmonary, like our heart and lungs or, you know, pediatrics or lots of other things. Anyway, everybody in the private practice sport sort of teaching unit, lots of the teachers are uh, you know, going down with COVID or getting the super rhinovirus that's going around at the moment. So the the main organizers, like the heads of head of faculties, have been calling me lots or sending me text messages, going, "Tom, Tom, save us! Do this class, or do you have availability for this? Or let's try and squeeze you into here, or can you cover this?" Um, so yeah, the universe heard me, going, "Yep." let's see how much, how many times he can say yes to things. Um, so yeah, I had a really full week this week. And like I said, it's Saturday for me today. And I was going to do this podcast about some more NFL off season moves on Thursday or Friday, but both those days got taken up covering teaching. So it was still, still good. Just busy full on. Um, especially when you're coming into it, sort of not knowing what's going on and have to wrap your wrap your head around something last minute to, I don't know. I'm, especially this type of stuff, like teaching is what I want to get into more and I really care about it and want to do a good job of it. So it's not like I would want to, you know, go in there and stand stand in the room, hands in pockets and just kind of like, oh, go through the motions, um, not really give 100% of myself. So it's been busy week, but uh as much as it sort of like takes out of my cup, it, it pours back into it. So that's a good thing. Um, some good news as well with the research, like it's hard getting into teaching and still having to do the research and PhD. It's hard to motivate myself sometimes to keep chipping away at that every day. But um, when you get good news, like your paper just got accepted, that's been waiting in this journal for five months since I submitted it. I submitted it on the first of the first this year, like five and a half months ago, it's May 14th. And finally the editors have reviewed it and accepted it. So yeah, shout out to myself for that. (laughs) Um, It's crazy though. Crazy system how it takes five months to get your research accepted for publication. And it's not even like this paper is going to come out tomorrow. Like, Still have to revise it a little bit, get it ready, 
do the last sort of like touching up and making sure all the grammar and formatting and stuff for the journal and yeah, see how all that goes. So it might be another month or two until it's freely available out there. So it's crazy. It's it's crazy because I worked on this study that's coming out or just got accepted in the back end of last year, like June to December last year. So it's like, it, it almost makes research, you know, this is still an impactful and important paper, guys. Like I shouldn't um, talk too bad about my own research plan. But when the journal system is like this, it's like almost makes some research come that comes out or it's, that's done a bit redundant. And there's this lag period between people actually finding out the solutions and getting it out there to people to read it and consume it takes a, a really long time. And yeah, how do we make sure that it isn't taking five months to, to get it out there? Mm. Anyway, what else? There was one more thing. Yes. Oh, I've been getting lots of, lots of questions and lots of thoughts about my physio takes at the moment with the, how I was talking about uh, last episode about, the new graduates and just how teaching has been going and my thoughts on like passive sort of therapies or active mindset. And I just want to make clear that I'm not saying that there's no place at all for any sort of passive techniques, but yeah, for me, my opinion about it is that I would never go uh, straight to a lot of those things unless the person came in, you know, really expecting that. And then you still have to have, a few tough conversations about, you know, we might just use this. It's a more short term sort of therapy or strategy. And we're trying to work you towards, you know, you coming up with the solutions and, you know, you know, your body best and working together. Like we're a team, we're a partnership. This isn't, you know, I don't like creating a power dynamic where I'm the fixer, I'm the healer and someone's dependent on me. You know, the best type of health professional or physio, for example, I think makes themselves redundant, makes themselves sort of out of a job, you know, not that you want to be as as a physio, you know, homeless and getting no work, but you don't want to be holding on to clients for 10 years, having them see you every week or twice a week for the same condition, you know, tuning them up or, putting their pelvis back into place, putting their back back into place and instilling these horrible beliefs like their back is like a Jenga tower. And, you know, if the, if it's too windy outside one day, their back's just going to collapse. And no, it's like people are, are more like a plant or a forest, right? It's very, you know, they need love. They need nurture. They need lots of different things and it's strong and beautiful. It's an art and um, that's how I like to think of things, very sort of hippie and holistic mindset. But I don't know, you'll never, you'll never catch me having clients come in for 10 years every week or twice a week and me just getting rich, charging $200. Yep, let me crack your back. See you next week. Uh, if you don't come in, then your back's going to be messed up and you'll never walk again. So you better come see me. <laughs> um Yeah, lots of those still have a place and some of those things can be appropriate and, oh, but I just, it can't be the first thing that you go to 
and you need to have tough conversations about, you know, what the best option is for that person. So, yeah, that's my view on it. Um, lots of people can think differently. That's okay. More importantly, it's it's good to have your engagement. It's good to have your suggestions. I like feedback. I like hearing other people's point of views. Um, yeah, keep messaging me on on Instagram, Tom Patterson ninety seven. Um, yeah, and keep giving me your questions for different sports or things that you notice and, and want me to, to cover. Um, I appreciate it so far. going to talk about a bit of AFL today uh, as per request, I think, from Elise from Parv's work, um, especially with the Giants, uh, the GWS Giants coach stepping down, have a few thoughts or made me look into that. Um, going to get back to the hockey, see how our teams are going, how our Toronto Maple Leafs Parv's team and Another one of past teams, the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche, how they've been going. My two teams were New York Rangers. Yep, that was in the East, and the West was Calgary Flames. So check back in on those teams. Um, and then go through the, the NFL offseason, what's been the big stories happening at the moment. So let's get into it. Okay. Let's get into some NFL. It's been a few days since we've talked about NFL properly, and it'll be really good, really fascinating. Even if you don't know much about the NFL, this has been one of the craziest off-seasons that I can ever remember. And I've, even though I've only been super sort of into NFL since probably like 2015, 16, like before that, just each year, probably from like 2010, 11, maybe even before that, I would just watch like the Super Bowl, how it's like on Channel 7 or whichever channel it was. Like, oh yeah, you like everyone knows that, that that's basically like an American public holiday. Let's just like put it on in the background and see what's happening. Like usually like Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or Eli Manning or Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers was on. So those names are sort of familiar, but then ever since sort of 2015, 16, just really enjoyed the sport, loved the sort of complex tactics that is involved with sort of NFL. Um, I know a lot of people, when I talk or well, say that I'm into NFL, it's like, oh, how can you be into NFL? It's so boring. But um, I don't know. It's, it's so fascinating because every play, it's so tactical. Um, you know, it is a long game, but it's like moves and counter moves and then counter moves to those counter moves. So it's like watching someone play chess, but you know, the pieces tackle each other. It's like that wizard's chess in Harry Potter one. Um, I don't know if you find that entertaining, that scene entertaining. I'm not super into chess, but watching that is pretty, pretty, uh, thrilling. Um, It's a shame that none of the players have like a terrible British accent like some of the young Harry Potter and Ron Weasley in those films. But um, yeah, it's pretty jokes. But yeah, that's NFL is very tactical. It's super cool to see how each team adjusts every play and what they're trying to understand, what they're trying to do and different matchups and that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, just got into it through that. Um, I don't know, keeps keeps me in touch with like my American heritage and family over on the West Coast and that sort of thing. Um, it's nice. Anyway, 
back to the offseason, crazy because so many people were traded. And NFL is usually not like that. NFL, what makes the, the league and the media and the market so strong for the NFL is because star players for teams don't really move around very much. There's a lot more loyalty and people that are like one club players play with their team for life. Whereas basketball and the NBA used to be like that. You know, you had your Michael Jordans for the Chicago Bulls play for Chicago Bulls forever until, until the end, like Orlando magic, but we don't like to count those days. Um, yeah, a lot of the star players that you know and love, you associate them with one sort of team. You know, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Like, you associate him forever with the Lakers. Um, I don't know, who else? Like, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird from the Celtics and Lakers as well. Um, just like these one-club players, whereas the NBA has shifted in the last sort of five, ten years where... It loses the attention and attraction of the fans if star players are just sort of jumping around different teams. So then people don't really have a team to root for. There's no emotional buy-in that's like, who cares whether you go for Lakers or Celtics or Bucks? Like, I'm just, I'll follow LeBron wherever it goes. And who knows where he's going to go next? And for a lot of diehard fans, it doesn't matter. But for the casual person, it's hard to understand what's going on in a sport if all the players are moving around everywhere. You can't get a handle on it. Um, so that's been a strong point of the NFL. But we had a big sort of shakeup this offseason where so many people got traded. Lots of draft picks for future drafts were swapped around. Um, so let's break down sort of like the top 10 moves or things that happened. So number 10... I know this list, list can be a little bit biased to show you uh, the different players or teams that I'm rooting for. But on number 10, starting off with a little bit of bias, I think um, one big move was Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, the worst team in the NFL. So the team that had the number one pick this year that used it on Trayvon Walker, like we talked about before. Um, previously, this Jaguars team had a head coach, Urban Meyer, and he was an absolute travesty. He was kicking players, he was cheating on his wife, he was uh, not really coaching the team very well, causing fights with his assistants. Um, yeah, he was an absolute madman, and halfway through the season, um, the owner and GM sacked that guy, Urban Meyer. So then they had an interim coach to finish off the rest of the year, but... I was really curious because they have this young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who just had his rookie year last year, um, his first year, and all throughout college, all Trevor Lawrence has done is win. So get this, right? There's this crazy stat. Before his rookie season, from when he first picked up the football, so playing football in middle school, high school, like junior college, and then professionally at college... He had only lost a total of four games ever. And all of those four games happened to him in college. So basically, he like had never lost a game until he went to the NFL. All he knew how to do was win. Um, elite, elite, elite 
talent, prospect, great leader. Um, if you don't know who Trevor Lawrence is, uh, go onto Google now. Just type in Trevor Lawrence, um, Jacksonville Jaguars or Clemson, and you'll see this beautiful man come up, <laughs> a bit of a man crush on him, tall. I think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, broad shoulders, beautiful, long, flowing hair. If you've seen the movie um, Remember the Titans, this guy, Trevor Lawrence, he, he reminds me of that sunshine guy. Sunshine, hey, sunshine. <laughs> the young quarterback who comes in and joins the team about halfway through the movie. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence kind of looks like that guy. Anyway, elite talent, great person, but just that's how the NFL works, right? Like they try to balance the system, balance the teams, and give the bad team a chance to rebuild itself by getting that number one pick. And not this year, but last year, they took Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick. And he had a rough season. And he had experienced more losses than he had in his entire life. So last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars went, they won three games and they lost 13. So they went three and 13. And like I just said before, throughout his whole life before the NFL, He'd only lost four games. So, man, that would be really rough, a really rough transition. And then not really having a good mentor as a coach, like having this Urban Meyer guy who's just off the rails, you know, assaulting different players. Like he kicked uh, a player, um, you know, out rather than being at team meetings and helping the players. He was out at bars um, hooking up with 20-year-old girls, um, the less I say about that, the better I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so just shambles coach, not great mentoring, but I'm really excited and, and why I'm saying I'm putting him on this list is what the Jaguar, the Jaguars did next was a really good move and went out and got uh, Doug Peterson, who's a really experienced head coach who was kind of just chilling on the sidelines, forgotten about. And he... Is a Super Bowl champion. Like if you remember a few years ago, just four or five years ago, he led um, Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl over Tom Brady, of all people. So he knows how to coach and he knows how to elevate young talent or even, you know, not so good rosters to play simple, uh, play turnover free, um, you know, don't make mistakes, make high percentage plays and develop young guys is a good mentor, really friendly, great character, kind man. So I'm really excited. It's such a transition from what Trevor and the rest of the team had before. And I think it should put the Jaguars in the right direction. Hopefully, you know, you don't want to have the number one team, the number one pick three years in a row. That really shows your team is trash. <laughs> Um, so yeah, really excited for Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jaguars. And I think they're going to do well with Doug Peterson as their new head coach. Number nine, moving on to number nine now, uh, I'm putting their trade by the Philadelphia Eagles going out and getting AJ Brown from the Tennessee Titans in the draft as my number one off number nine off season move. I just love that um, pick. I love the sort of philosophy of, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles 
rather than risk sort of developing a young wide receiver and maybe it's hit or miss. You don't know how good he's going to be. AJ Brown's been in the league and been killing it with the Titans over the last few years, scoring, you know, a handful of touchdowns, a couple thousand yard um, receptions um, per season in a row. So he's been really, really productive, a great player, and going to be a perfect weapon to accompany Jalen Hurts, the quarterback um, from Philadelphia Eagles, the young quarterback there. They already got... In last year's draft, the Philadelphia Eagles, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman as a wide receiver. And if you don't know what the Heisman is, uh, it's an award for college football. And it's basically the MVP or the best player of the year in college football. And let me just tell you, for that award has been around for like 50, 60 years. Basically every year, a quarterback wins it because they're the one who leads the team who puts up all the stats. So for a wide receiver to win it, this wide receiver, Devontae Smith from Alabama last year to win the Heisman, just shows you sort of how talented and how good a season he must have had to beat out all the other quarterbacks who are in the running when you have guys like you know, Trevor Lawrence um, and other wide receivers, running, back, running backs, just putting up crazy numbers and not losing any games. Um, Yeah, you have to be an elite talent. So they've already got a great wide receiver. Getting A.J. Brown, stealing him off the Titans, just gives more um, attacking weapons for Jalen Hurts to target, makes your attack more versatile, and is a great move because Jalen Hurts is still on that rookie contract himself. I think this is going to be his third year as, as the starter for Philadelphia. So he famously sort of pushed Carson Wentz out the door at Philadelphia and has got the reins of the team now. Um, so yeah, really excited for see, to see how he's going to do. And it's a great move while your quarterback isn't being paid, you know, $50 million, $100 million contracts. While they're still cheap, you can go and sign elite talent for, you know, not a bargain, but a bit more money. But it allows you to build this stacked team while you have some uh, a good quarterback to try and uh, link it all up and lead it all together. So excited to see how they do. Especially because they play, you know, if, again, if you're not familiar with NFL, each team plays in sort of a conference and then divisions within that conference. So you have four teams in your division and you've got, you're guaranteed on the schedule to play, you know, each team in your division twice. So Philadelphia historically plays in one of the worst divisions in the NFL, the NFC East. So in the Eastern Conference, um, they play, yeah, in the NFC East against teams like Dallas, against Washington, and, man, who's the other NFC East team? Dallas, Washington, Giants, New York Giants, that's it. All of which are just trash, basically like free wins. They all just beat up on each other. And the NFL playoff system is a bit... People criticize it because the winner, if you're the winner of your division, you have the most wins in your division, you're guaranteed to go to the playoffs. You're guaranteed to at least play one game at home in the playoffs. And people don't like that because they're like, Oh, some other divisions, you have really, really good teams, 
like the NFC West previously or the AFC West with the Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos now, where you might have a lot of teams on 12, 11, 10 wins, um, which is quite high. But then the winner of the division of the NFC East, that winner might only have six, seven wins like we saw you know, last year or the year before where Washington made it through to the playoffs and had a home game and they only won seven or eight games. It was like, this is a travesty. This is not a playoff team. Um, this division is trash. Like, <laughs> we should relegate these teams from, from the NFL. Um, it's just free wins playing them. So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is good work, good work by Philadelphia, by going out and strengthening their roster in an attacking way to make life easier for their young quarterback, getting more open receivers. And it's going to prove well because the rest of the division, I think, has gotten weaker. So it should be a lot of free wins, and hopefully they're going to get a guaranteed playoff spot uh, at the end of the year. We'll see. Next up, my number eight off-season move was by the Chargers, and it was a duo move of strengthening their defense. They went out and got Khalil Mack, an absolute monster, monster player, just like absolute wrecker, machine on the field, um, quarterback sacker, quarterback nightmare um, from the Chicago Bears and brought him over to Chargers and strengthened their defense doubly by going and calling up the Patriots and getting their unhappy um, star defender cornerback, J.C. Jackson, and signing him uh, to a big money deal. So I love it. I love those moves. Again, charges will be the charges though, and they'll break my heart. But again, another year where there shouldn't be any excuse for the charges. You know, they have this young... Uh, rookie uh, quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert, you're like on his rookie deal, I mean. So he's third year now. And for the last two years, he's played unbelievable, like more than 4,000 yards passing for the season, basically like 40, 50 touchdowns each year. Absolute machine, freak, um, especially with how young he's been. Um, but last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. And it was famously came down to that game against the Raiders, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, where all they needed was a tie. All they needed was to draw the game, to not lose it. Just win or draw and you're in. And the defense couldn't help the Chargers. And they could have went for the tie, but they tried to win the game and couldn't stop the run. And Raiders go through. So I love them not just going through the motions or being in denial, being like, oh no, Justin Herbert, our quarterback, he'll save us. Don't ask him to do too much. Just keep playing as you are and let's build up our defense as we sh- we've been shown we need to do it. So yeah, Khalil Mack wasting away on the Chicago Bears. I love going and get him to, uh, to go and sack the quarterback for the Chargers. And JC Jackson is a really great um uh, weapon to sort of cover wide receivers in the defense. So love those two moves. I think, yeah, charges will be really, really competitive this year. And again, there's no excuses. And I'd kind of be nervous if I'm coaching this team because it's like, damn, we should be aiming for the Super Bowl. 
And if we don't get there, I'm probably fired because this is one of the best rosters in the NFL. So if I can't make it work, then this is a hot seat. But I don't know. Maybe that that mindset's not the right one to have. You should be relishing the opportunity then if you have this stacked roster. So hopefully he is and not thinking about the pressure because there's a lot of pressure if he doesn't win. <laughs> Lucky number seven next. And I've put down Matty Ice, Matty Ryan with the transfer from the Atlanta Falcons, the team that he was drafted with and played, I think, 13, 14 years with. And, you know, being the quarterback of Atlanta for the last 13, 14 years, he's really only had that one standout season that you can think of, and that's the one where he won the MVP and took Atlanta to the Super Bowl and, you know, insert choking music or choking sounds now, like... (laughs) Big choke in that Super Bowl. Very memorable. I think it's the 2016 Super Bowl, Atlanta Falcons versus the Patriots, and late in the third quarter with you know three minutes remaining in the third quarter, Atlanta is up 28-3. to It's the classic, yeah, 28-3. to um, Yeah, massive collapse, big choke, and they lost that game. Patriots uh, came storming back, but... It's like Matt Ryan and more so the coach and the whole team forgot how to waste time by just running the ball, keeping the clock ticking over, um, and just played poor defense and thought, we've won the Super Bowl, it's our time, we've done all the hard work, we're up 25 points. Patriots came back, tied the game and forced it to overtime and got the won the toss and scored a touchdown, finished it, won the Super Bowl. And... From then, Matty Ice, Matty Ryan has been, I don't know, he's been decent throughout his career and over the last five, six years. You know, a lot of people talk about his stats and it's similar with Matthew Stafford, the previous Detroit Lions quarterback who now last year transferred over to to the LA Rams and won the Super Bowl just recently last year with them, where I sort of put them in the same sort of tier where pretty good, like above average, like top 15, top 12 sort of quarterback, you know, not a Patrick Mahomes, not a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, that type of quarterback, but like does the job, right? Like can get the ball to his receivers, has done well in the past with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gage for the Falcons. And now Matty Ryan has done the the big transfer over to the Indianapolis Colts. So big move for him. I'm interested to see, like I was just saying, that often people compare him to Matthew Stafford and, you know, a guy that can put up big big numbers, you know, throws the ball downfield, has a big arm, can throw a lot of touchdowns. But when you really need him to come through and win a big game, can he... Can he put the team on his shoulders? Can he carry you like a Patrick Mahomes or like a Tom Brady or Russell Wilson um, and just overcome a poor defense? Because that's been Atlanta's problem and why they only went to that one Super Bowl. He only had that one MVP year where it was Kyle Shanahan, the coach, the current coach of the 49ers, 
was then the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons and was a little boy genius, boy wonder, and schemed up all these plays and, you know, outthinked everyone in the room, outthought the competition and got them to the Super Bowl, should have won it that year. Um, and you think how different maybe Matty Ice's career if they hold on and don't choke that lead away. But anyway, the Colts think he's the man, you know. The Colts last year, and we'll get on to Carson Wentz. He's he's my next one that we'll talk about. But, yeah, Carson Wentz wasn't doing it for them at the Colts. So they thought, let's bring in a more veteran presence. You know, Matt Ryan, 35, 36 years old, still probably has maybe three, four years. Um, you know, his arm still looks strong. He can somewhat move around the pocket. He's not like a Big Ben in these last couple years. It's just basically a statue, you know, cement cement for his feet, doesn't move around, can't run. That's not Matty Ryan. He can he can move a little bit. He can shimmy. Um, I think, oh, I don't know if it'll work. I think the Colts are thinking that, and they have, they're right in thinking this way, that they've been a quarterback away for probably three or four years now. And, you know, their offense has a lot of weapons, great uh, right, wide receivers, a really solid running back in Jonathan Taylor. Could have argued he was the MVP last year. I wouldn't say so, but he was probably third or fourth in my list. Um, Colts have a really strong defense as well. They don't give up a lot of points. So they, or they're in every game. Every game with them is a close game. They're never getting blown out. So they just need a veteran like Matt Ryan to come in and not play hero ball like Carson Wentz or previous quarterbacks before them and not turn over the ball and make good decisions and, you know, be a a great leader, mentor all the young guys around him. So I think it's a good move. I think it's definitely an upgrade from Carson Wentz. I don't know if it will be enough for the Colts to push them into the playoffs. Like, they're in an easy division with... The Texans, you know, being really poor, probably last place as well as the Jaguars. So huge advantage there. The Titans have been winning that division last three or four years with 11, 12 wins. Um, So they're going to be tough to beat. But like I said before, with AJ Brown moving on, and it's really just the fridge with Derrick Henry, they're running back there. It makes them a little bit more unidimensional. Um... So they've got a chance. They've got a chance to leapfrog up and win that division and push themselves into the playoffs. It's just all going to be about can Frank Frank Wright, the Colts coach, get the best out of Matty Ryan and you know keep his jersey clean, avoid him getting sacked, um, yeah, build him into this system that they're trying to run. I'm interested to see before. I think I I didn't make this point well enough that. I put him in the same sort of category as maybe Matt, Matthew Stafford and people had this criticism before he went to LA that they called him, you know, instead of Matthew Stafford, like Stat Padford, like he's padding the stats, like he's boosting his numbers because he played for a poor team and because they gave up so many touchdowns, he actually had the ball more often um, than other good teams, right? So if you're conceding a lot of points then the opponent is like kicking it off back to you trying to like give you a chance to come back into the game and then often 
they're getting blown out by so many points that teams pull their starters and play more of their bench players. So it gives them a chance to put up all these like garbage time touchdowns and stats to make you look better than you actually are. And if you're giving up all these touchdowns, you're getting more possessions than good teams to to score more points and put up more yards and put up more touchdowns. So just like Matthew Stafford proved people wrong that he's actually a decent quarterback and actually a you know, can win a Super Bowl in his Super Bowl caliber. Would love to see Matt Ryan do the same. And I think it's a little bit less hate because he's been to that Super Bowl before. But can he get back? Can he get back and finish the job? We are going to find out. There's there's no excuses. It's a good Indianapolis Colts team. It's an easy division, like I talked about with Philadelphia and the NFC East, that AFC South, which is where the Colts play and where Matty Ice is going to play. Um, yeah, that's where Jaguar, like the Jaguars and Texans, who are horrible teams, both top five draft teams this year, so really, really bad, are also playing, so they should have a really clear run to the top. So no excuses, Matty Ryan, Matty Ice. Just in case you don't know, we call him, oh, his nickname is that Matty Ice because he's supposed to be you know, ice in his veins, Mr. Clutch, Mr. Big Fourth Quarter, like a Chris Paul type of player. But, you know, not having lots of playoff appearances of late, lots of people like to tease him and call him, you know, Matty Lukewarm or, uh, you know, Matty Fumbles or, uh, yeah, Matty Choke sort of thing. Um, so hopefully he can he can uh, do his nickname Matty Ice proud again. Hopefully. We'll see. Anyway, moving on to number six, and that's who the Colts quarterback was last year, but they've shipped him off to Washington Commanders now, that Carson Wentz bloke. My days. So if you don't know Carson Wentz, let me just give you a little bit of backstory about him. He came out, very highly touted uh, prospect from college, from North Dakota State, was the number two overall pick back in 2015, 2016. And then... His second year, he was having a really good season, putting up great numbers, um, leading the offense as the quarterback of Philadelphia Eagles, and then like tears his ACL, so like um, rips like a, a ligament in his knee, just doing like a stupid play, trying to like be a hero and do a Superman dive and jump out of the way and, or like jump over people when it's like not necessary. He could have just like ran out of bounds or avoided taking a hit and his knee just gets like buckled and injured. Anyway, the, the funny part is then their backup quarterback, uh, Nick Foles comes in as, you know, you have a ACL injury. Usually that takes six to nine months to rehab properly. Um, you're done for the season. So that injury to Carson Wentz happened about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season. Philadelphia doing quite good. Their sort of interim caretaker backup quarterback Nick Foles comes in. And again, I should mention that like Doug Peterson, the coach is at the time, but is now the person I'm excited about in the, that I mentioned before. He's the number 10 uh, pick where I was talking about Trevor Lawrence and their new coach, Doug Peterson, this is where he was at the time back in 2017, 2018, where he's coaching Carson Wentz, making him look great. Unfortunately, he has an injury. The backup comes in, 
does the job, is the caretaker, the night watchman, um, sees it through, pulls him on a playoff run and plays phenomenal, ended up beating the Patriots uh, in the Super Bowl, earns himself finals MVP, like Super Bowl MVP, best player on the ground. And then that offseason, you know, Philadelphia hadn't won the Super Bowl in like, I think that was their very first ever win, yes. It was. So this guy, Nick Foles, uh, you know, cult legend icon now, and the fans are like, he's our hero. Everyone forgets about Carson Wentz, you know. He was, you know, he was a, a factor and a big part in getting them to the playoffs. And before he got injured, I think they'd won like 10 games and only lost one or two. So they were definitely going to make the playoffs, but... Who knows? Who knows what would have happened if he was still there? It's one of those things. But we know what did happen afterwards, and Nick Foles won them the Super Bowl. They build a statue of him, a massive one outside of the stadium, as their sort of cult hero, the cult icon, and Carson doesn't doesn't like it. Next season comes back, there's a bit of a rivalry, bit of a feud between them, too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen type of thing. Again, Carson gets injured. Does this uh I think a shoulder this time or his ankle um, has a bad injury. Same thing again. Nick Foles steps up. Absolute hero. What a legend. My guy. Massive respect. Takes him on a playoff run. They don't win the Super Bowl this time, but Nick Foles plays like an absolute machine and they end up going out against the the Saints in the semifinals. But yeah, awesome run. And again, Carson Wentz has kind of looked at look down upon like, oh, he has moments, but can never stay healthy. And, you know, we have this guy, Nick Foles in the wings. Maybe we should just play him. And then in that off season, Carson and management have a big sort of fight. And they're like, he's like, it's me or the highway. So they're like, okay, Let's, you know, we're paying, we've paid you this big contract. Nick Foles is getting sort of backup money. Let's send him away. We'll trade him away and then give you the keys. But what they also do, Philadelphia, to give themselves a safety net is draft a young rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who's now the current quarterback as Carson Wentz has gone on with that, you know, in the following seasons to have more injuries and yeah, just really make poor decisions, poor throws, throwing lots of interceptions. You watch him play sometimes and you just think, what is going on inside your head? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah, so he's been forced, he's been run out of town by the young rookie Jalen Hurts. So shout out to him, respect to him for a young guy coming through, um, forcing Carson Wentz out. And it's the right move. Um so we know that last year the Colts traded um, a first-round pick for Carson Wentz and for them to be the quarterback, and he just didn't play well. Again, on one game last year, there was a play where he sprained both of his ankles, like sprained and dislocated both of his ankles on the one play. It's like, damn, that's that's impressive to do like impressive in a bad way, man. Like, <laughs> Damn. As a physio, I've never seen that happen before. That takes talent to do that. <laughs> um, so again, he was paid to, you know, again, Colts were a quarterback away last year. 
Great team, great defense, just needed a quarterback who could be a game manager, make smart decisions, get everyone involved, literally hand it off to their star MVP running back, don't do too much. But he fell into that trap of back, you know, with his last season as the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback of just trying to be too much. And, you know, there's a fine line between elevating the people around you and just throwing everyone to the wayside and going, I'm going to do this to myself. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone's help. And making terrible judgment calls or terrible errors because of it. So I, I haven't seen him shake that mindset. I think he's still in a little bit of that, of that headspace. And Colts got burned by it. They wasted a first-round draft pick, which is extremely valuable. And... But now they've learned the lesson. They're like, we have no patience for you. We saw you being our quarterback for maybe four or five years. Now, after seeing that, we missed the playoffs. You know, this Colts team, with one game in the regular season to go, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. They just have to win this game and they're in the playoffs. And the Jags at that time, their fan base and their players are so frustrated that they all turn up to the ground wearing like clown masks and clown suits as a homage to the, the clowns that are running the franchise. They think they just think this is a joke franchise. We're not even real. You guys are not even trying. So disappointed in their team. And they lose to this team that they're all clowns and they're not playing well, but they find a way to lose. And I think that was the last straw for the Colts, you know, management and GMs and coaches to go, man, if we can't even beat the last place team to get into the playoffs and you can't be the guy to elevate our team, what are we paying you for? What are we doing here? We need to, we need to look at the next step. And that next step was finding Matt Ryan. So now the Colts needed to find a suitor that would take Carson Wentz, Washington, is kind of stupid enough or silly enough to step up to the plate or desperate enough. We all know Washington hasn't really had a quarterback since Alex Smith, and that was like three years ago and went through that horrible uh, fracture of his leg and nearly had to have the leg amputated and nearly had to die, nearly had to die, nearly end up, like he was fighting for his life in that recovery um, had to go through multiple infections and sepsis and all these different things. Um, incredible documentary about it, about Alex Smith in that time. Um, but yeah, Washington since then, since Alex Smith broke his leg, they've just been relying on their backup quarterbacks, especially like Taylor, he- Taylor Heineke has shown sort of sparks at times, but they need a, they need more of a number one, more of a veteran. And they're hoping Carson Wentz can do the job. Maybe he can beat up on the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys, maybe. But until he shakes that hero ball, sort of what I've been talking about with the basketball of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not being sort of team players and trying to do everything himself. And, you know, even if he's guarded by three people, still try and chuck up a Hail Mary at the basket. Like, that's the way Carson Wentz is trying to play. Um, Yeah. It's I, I, it's a big move. It's a big risk. <laughs> it's a bold strategy. Uh, we'll see how it goes as for them. I don't think it's going to go well. I expect Washington to be maybe a four or five win team. 
Um, and that's in the NFC East as well, which is trash. So let's see. Number five was a shocking one. And it was, I'm putting down Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City wide receiver, leaving the Kansas City Chiefs. I think I just said the Kansas City wide receiver. But yeah, leaving the Kansas City Chiefs and choosing the money. Taking the money. Doing the Aaron Rodgers and going, I don't care about championships. <laughs> I'm going to take the money and make sure my great, 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 great grandchild never needs to work uh and heading down to south beach in miami to play for the dolphins um you know i think it's a it's a great move by the dolphins and it's a little bit head scratching by the chiefs um but i think they did all they could so it's not like they just gave him away for free they the dolphins signed tyreek hill for something like 26, 27, 28 million dollars a year on like a five-year deal. And the chief, the Chiefs tried to keep him. They said, our best offer is 22, 23 million. But some of these guys, man, like, again, I'm not in this situation, so it's hard to judge. Or it's my opinion is just what's five million difference when you've already earned a hundred million? And I don't know, like Playing with, playing with, and just watching the way Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, Travis Kelsey, the tight end of the Chiefs, and Tyreek Hill play that trio is just a work of art. Or like watching poetry in motion, um, it's it's beautiful, and it's you think back and go, damn, we kind of squandered, or we we didn't appreciate it enough at the time watching these three play. Um, because Tyreek Hill is now going to the Dolphins where very controversial quarterback situation at the moment. Tua Tungavailoa, the Alabama uh, starting quarterback of a few years ago, national championship winner. But he's had a few injuries, we know. Like he had that dislocated hip, uh, dislocated and fractured hip coming out of the draft and has had multiple ankle surgeries on his left ankle and just been a bit underwhelming since he's come in the league. But I like the move by, by Miami, and it shows me they're saying, we're giving you all the weapons to her. There's no excuse for you to play bad, or we're going to find out just how good you are this year because we have enough talent around you. We have enough people to throw you the ball. So if you can't find them, like this is the elite of elite talent. There's no getting better than this, but... If you can't do it, maybe we need to find someone else who can. So credit to Miami, and I know I'm I'm excited for Tua to show us what he's got. Right? Um, I don't want to see him fail. I don't want to see oh, you know, don't want him to do well. I want to see someone else traded to Miami. You know, like it'd be great. It'd be great to see Miami have success. They haven't had success since you know the late '90s with like Doug Flutie um, and. I'm trying to think of that famous coach. Oh, that was back in the 70s. That was like the one undefeated team to win the NFL championship was back in the 1971-72 season, and that was the Miami Dolphins. Very famous coach. I'm forgetting his name. That's going to haunt me. It's like the um, Austin Powers thing the other day where I was like struggling to think of what that was. Anyway, big move to break up 
I think it's great. Everyone in the NFL watching that trade is like, thank goodness they broke up the trio of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Like, every time we play the Chiefs now, maybe we have a chance because trying to cover one of, like, one of those players but both of them on the field is like, pick your poison, right? Like, this guy Tyreek Hill is nicknamed the Cheater. And he literally runs, he's the fastest player in the NFL. And all the time on Instagram or TikTok, you'll see, you know, 100 meter dash races of the Olympics where Usain Bolt is in the race. But they put Tyreek, you know, obviously Tyreek Hill never raced Usain Bolt, but they'll put like a line saying, this is Tyreek Hill's fastest time. This is where he'd be against Usain Bolt. And it's only, you know, a few paces back. It's very, very close. Like he can run a hundred meters under 10 seconds as well. So he's lightning in a bottle. He is so quick. Um, so every team around the NFL is like, thank you. Thank you so much. Now we have a chance, a proper chance against the chiefs because Travis Kelsey is a beast in himself. Um, and it's like pick your poison when you try to play them, you can either double Tyreek Hill and say, you know, beat us one-on-one Travis Kelsey, which he will, or try and double, put two people on Travis Kelsey and then they put one person on the cheetah, this roadrunner guy, and he'll just run straight to the end zone and catch it. So great weapon for Tua. Um, exciting um, for Miami. We'll see if Tua can be the guy. This is his last chance. Like this is Tua's third season. So it's a good quarterback class in the draft coming out next year. So Watch out. Watch out, Miami. They've got they've got plans if Tua doesn't do well this year, I think. Okay, number four now. Moving on to number four. Deshaun Watson and his trade from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. Oh my days. We've been waiting for this trade for so long. So... Remember back to the playoffs of not last season, but the season before where, you know, playoffs finished and, well, not the playoffs actually, like the end of season and Houston, uh, the Texans play their final game and JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson are, are walking off the field arm in arm and JJ Watt, you know, a 10, 12 year veteran in this sport multiple defensive MB, uh, player of the year, MVP um, player, turns to look to him and really genuinely looks him in the eye and goes, I'm really sorry for wasting one of your prime years. You know, you were too talented. You were so exceptional this year. You did everything you could and they still only won four games. They lost 12 games that year and were one of the worst teams. And since that moment, Deshaun Watson has been really unhappy with the Texans and just realized, this is not the team for me. I don't have a future here. I'm doing everything that I can, similar to like a a Giannis on the Bucks or Luka Doncic on the Mavs going, what more can I do? I'm giving you guys 40 points a night and we're still losing games. We're not even competitive sometimes. So what more can I do? I can't win a championship here, and it's about that for me, and can't blame him. And then the sort of timely rumors came out and accusations about, if you didn't hear about it, that 
Deshaun Watson and his sort of massage therapist, his masseuses. Uh, 22 different uh, masseuses came forward um, and they accused him of sexual misconduct, sexual assault um, in their sort of sessions, in their private sessions with him. And it looked really suspect because at first just one person came forward and it was like, oh, I don't think Deshaun Watson would be the type of guy to do that. Like he went to a big school at Clemson, national championship winner, is really, really involved in his community, really like kind, genuine person that I thought. And again, I really respected him and thought, oh, this is a shame, like, I don't know, but innocent until proven guilty, that sort of stuff. And then more women kept coming forward. First it was just one, and then a week later, two more. And then the next week, five more. And then week after that, 10 more. And it was like, jeepers, like 22 women across like 10 different states. Like someone said it in a good way. And I was just like, who would have, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson would have a lot of money, right? Professional athlete doing very well for himself. But how many celebrities or professional athletes do you know that have 20 different personal chefs or 20 different limo drivers. Like to have 20 different masseuses or like 20 different physios, right? Like you find your guy or you find your person that's good and you trust and it's like, yep, they know what I like. They know what's good for me and I'm comfortable with them. So it looked really suspect to have these 22, yeah, to have 22 different masseuses. It just looks like, oh, that's shady, man. And eventually it came, like, so this was a really big drawn out process. So it happened not at the end of last season, but the season before. So he was unhappy, wanted to leave. Then these allegations came out and then it was like the NFL sort of said, you know, we're waiting until this Kate, this case goes to court, but you can't play. Like, this looks bad on you and looks bad on the game. We won't allow you to play until we get this sorted out. And then only recently, maybe two, three months ago, a few grand juries said, no, there was like, well, there wasn't enough conclusive evidence to be able to prove that something happened. It was just, it's a very, he said, she said type of thing. And it, you can see why that would happen, right? It's like happening very close quarters and private type of thing to happen. Um, and, you know, the distressing thing is Deshaun Watson isn't, and their team didn't deny that they had sort of like sexual sort of encounters with these masseuses. They just were arguing whether it was consensual or not. And, I don't know, that, that just looks really bad and you you don't want, it just, it was really shady and not the type of character that you want in your locker room. And, oh, that's yucky. I don't like, yeah, yucky story. Anyway, but he's such a talented player. Like this guy, when he's in the right headspace and, um, yeah, playing, he plays so well. He's unbelievable. He's up there with Patrick Mahomes, um, all the quarterbacks I mentioned before, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, all the, the young stars nowadays. 
you know, he's only 24, 25, like he's my age. Uh, it's crazy. He's, he's too talented not to play. And, you know, it's nice him getting a shot again, but I don't know. He's got, he's got a lot to prove and I don't know, a, a big reputation to sort of gain back and, and to reel back in, I think. And I don't know, you want to see him do more out in the community and, and try to, yeah, rebuild this sort of reputation or legacy that he did have. So I don't know. It's an, it's a really hard position because I really liked this player before all this. And it's hard because it's like, we don't know whether it was consensual or not. And just because he got found not guilty doesn't mean he is not guilty. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to think like that because that has lots of intricacies and complexities with that as well. So anyway, the Browns had Baker Mayfield as their quarterback for the last three, four years. And he has been underwhelming in the last two or three years. Like he played injured last season, which was a mistake to do and was really sort of like Carson Wentz was really poor with his decision-making and technically he's still on the roster, but the Browns gave up everything to get Deshaun Watson. Like they traded three first round picks, a third and a fourth round, and they're paying him, you know, NFL contracts are split up into guaranteed money versus not guaranteed, like um, just in the contract anyway. So a deal might be five years, a hundred million dollars. So, you know, 20 million a year, a year. But then they will say to protect the players, like there's a players union and it's like, oh, what if the player gets injured that first year and then never plays football again? He misses out on $80 million. Like it's not as important for those bigger players, but for the, for the smaller contracts, like maybe if it was like, let's say 5 million a year for five years, um, that would be like 25 million. But if you get injured in the first year, you miss out on 20, like, like that's a big difference. So they put in this structure into the contracts and all the deals that there's like a portion of that that's guaranteed that you negotiate. So for Deshaun Watson's deal, it was a $250 million for five years. So around 50 million and two over 200 million was guaranteed. So from when he put pen to paper in his bank account, the next second was $200 million. And he's ha- he has that, whether he plays a game or not now. Um, so, man, the Browns are all in on Deshaun Watson being the guy he was before all this happened in his first sort of two years uh, with the Texans. You know, the guy that took them on uh, deep playoff runs and won playoff games with them. Like, hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, but has shown a lot of promise and is young, has a lot of potential. So... They are all in for the next few years and riding Deshaun Watson. So I'm excited to see if he can get back on track. Uh, I'm rooting for him. Number three, the third biggest offseason move in my eyes, is another quarterback being Russell Wilson, who was formerly with the Seattle Seahawks and has spent eight, nine seasons with them. His only losing season, so he's played eight seasons with the Seattle Seahawks since he was drafted back in uh, 2013, 2014. 
eight or nine years. And every year he's won more games than he's lost. So he's won nine games, 10 games, 11 games, 12 games. He's never had a losing year until last year. And that was the year where he famously uh, fractured and dislocated his middle finger around halfway through the season and missed a lot of time and Seattle yeah, didn't have a great team last year. And even for the last few years, have, haven't have had the best sort of team. Um, him, and, him and the coach, Pete Carroll, have kind of been going through a messy divorce, sort of clashing, really butting heads. Um, super competitive guys, but just have very different philosophies and ideas about how to play and how to win football games. Uh, that's where we get the whole campaign of let Russ cook, let Russ cook, like let him get in the kitchen, let him put on the sauce on all the defenders, let him use his uh, natural gifts and his big arm to beat defenders and let him run around. Whereas Pete Carroll, the coach, is lock the kitchen up, shut it down, keep Russ out of the kitchen, like let's win games on the Legion of Boom, let's win it off defense. Uh, that's how Seattle famously won that Super Bowl and went back to the Super Bowl um, in that 2013-14 window based off their defense, which Pete Carroll loves. And another thing that Pete Carroll loves and loves to develop is the running game. He loves to run it down people's throats. Um, you know, He wants Russell Wilson to just throw the ball 10 to 15 times a game and would rather run the ball 30, 40 times. And that goes against... Russell Wilson's philosophy, he's like, I have one of the best arms. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Let me cook, man. Let me show you. Let me win the game for us. I can. I can put everyone on my back. So over the last few years, both sort of camps, both um, have been very divisive and butting heads with each other. And it's come to its head. It's come to a resolution now of, of going their separate ways. And Denver, the lucky team, Denver Broncos in the Western Conference in the AFC came through again with a similar sort of Deshaun Watson type of deal and money, three first round picks, big $200 million contract to come and be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And very sort of similarly, like I've talked about with the move with Matty Ice, Matty Ryan to the Colts, it's very similar and even more so, more so like pressure with this move as just Russell Wilson's a greater quarterback, but they're both going to teams that are ready to win and are just one quarterback away. So Denver Broncos stacked wide receiver class, you know, Jerry Judy, Judy Cortland Sutton, um, Fitzpatrick um, have a great running back um, committee, uh, Melvin Gordon leading that. Have great defense in Bradley Chubb, um, great secondary as well. Man, they are stacked, and they they just need a quarterback. For the last few years, you know they've been relying on people like Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, um, who's just like a bridge between trying to wait for the next quarterback in the draft or when you can trade for a veteran. So. They finally got one. They've got their veteran. They've got their guy. They've got their chef at the helm. <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's see if Russ. They let Russ cook and what he can cook up in Denver. 
Alrighty, next up, our final two biggest off-season moves. At number two, I'm going with Tom Brady and the saga of I'm I'm I want to be traded. I'm not the happiest here in Tampa Bay. Like we won the Super Bowl and I've been playing good and had a deep playoff run, but oh, it just wasn't good enough. Maybe there's a better team out there for me. And then changing the narrative to oh, actually, it's time for me to hang up the jersey. I miss being a family man. I want to spend more time with my family. Uh, that's it for me. It's been good. Let me ride off into out into the sunset. And he retires. And he retires for 40 days and then says, screw family life. That shit is boring. <laughs> I am coming back. So he comes back and re-signs with Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is going... Thank goodness, I don't know what we would have done without you coming back. You know, like I said a lot of times before, this draft was not the draft to try and get a quarterback, at least a starting quarterback for this year. So they would have had to try and trade. And by the time this all happened, a lot of these moves like Russell Wilson, gone. Matt Ryan, gone. Castle Wentz, you wouldn't want him, but gone. (laughs) Um, So they're just... In those 40 days, I think Bruce Arians and the rest of the management for the Bucks are just on their knees praying, please, Tom, come back, probably calling him, leaving voicemails every day. I heard an interesting conspiracy the other day that I thought I'd share and I thought was so funny that the Miami Dolphins, while he was retired, tried to offer Tom Brady ownership of the Miami Dolphins to be like a stakeholder and yeah, part owner of the Miami Dolphins. And then they thought if they could get him on board as an owner, then they could convince him and force Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback currently, out the door and say, Tom Brady, here, the quarterback spot's open for you. How about instead of being an owner, or we'll let you be an owner, or we'll give you 5% more shares, but come and be the quarterback too. Why don't you just suit up? (laughs) Imagine that would be the first time in history ever that like the owner is out there playing. I'm sure a lot of owners watching their teams, whatever sport it is, would would love to sometimes when they're not going well or they see a mistake happen, they're like, damn, I should suit up. You know, I'll go out there. I'll show them how it's done. This could have actually been a possibility maybe. (laughs) Uh, It didn't fall through. Uh, Miami offered it. Tom Brady said no. Uh, he came back to Tampa, which is a great move. Um, it's such an easy division. He's playing the NFC South with the Carolina Panthers, like absolute trash. New Orleans Saints could be good. Jameis Winston, their quarterback last year, coming off the ACL injury. Yeah, I'm a big believer in him. I hope to see him do well, but they're not on the same playing field as Tampa Bay. And who else in that division? Carolina, Tampa, Saints. It's the Falcons. The Falcons. The Matty Iceless Falcons now. Uh, Marcus Mariota and it's Desmond Ritter, their new NFL draftee quarterback. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be terrible too. So, easy win. Easy division win, which means a playoff appearance. So, I think the big thing in his mind was... My family's really boring, so I don't want to spend time with them. No, that's not the real reason. Um, I think it's as long as I still have a chance to win a championship and I'm playing good, I'm playing well. Um, You know, there was this previous narrative five years ago that Tom Brady's fallen off a cliff. He's aging. He's declining. 
you know, you need to put him into a nursing home. He's playing so bad. He should retire. He's still not there yet. He was the leading quarterback last year in passing yards with like 4,600 passing yards, which just shows you he's 44 years old. My days. And he's like an MVP candidate and the leader of a quarterback stat at that age in a league with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, etc., etc. So it's not time yet. Uh, interestingly enough, with Tom Brady too, it just came out yesterday or the day before, the TV network, uh, Fox, locked him in for when he does eventually retire to a 10 years and wait for it, $375 million contract come, to come be the lead analyst of uh, NFL games whenever Fox is playing or showing them games. So the next Troy Aikman, uh, famous quarterback back in the 90s with the Cowboys who won two Super Bowls in a row, um, he left to go join ESPN. So Fox has been looking for a similar type of guy to come and step up. And who better than Tom Brady? Potentially. I don't know. You know, he's the goat of the sport, obviously, seven rings. Um, but it's different with talking and hosting a show and entertainment, right? Like you need to have a personality, need to be able to tell stories, need to be able to engage people, be relatable. And just being the best player doesn't mean that people will tune in. So, uh, we've seen how well Peyton and Eli Manning have done with the ESPN Manning cast. So, Again, they've locked him in for a 10-year contract, so I hope he's good. I think he will be good, but uh, let's see. It'll be interesting. Anyway, I think Tampa Bay has an easy run to the playoffs this year, especially now that Tom, uh, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady is back. Then finally, dun, 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 the last or the biggest off-season move in my eyes was the Green Bay Packers getting rid of Devontae Adams their star wide receiver, or in another way, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Raiders, uh, stealing Devontae Adams and linking him back up with his college quarterback, his roommate, Derek Carr. And if you don't know Derek Carr, type him into Google right now. He is the kid from Toy Story, the kid next door who messes around with all the toys, like screws with them, that Sid guy. He looks exactly like him, grown up. So that's Derek Carr, very good quarterback of the former Oakland Raiders and now Las Vegas Raiders. So another great weapon, and they have a lot of chemistry, played at the same college together, set a lot of records, instant rapport, um, have a great understanding. Las Vegas Raiders already had lots of weapons, and getting the best wide receiver in the league doesn't hurt as well. So... Man, that division, that AFC West now is stacked. Like like I said before, Chargers got better, Raiders got better, Broncos got better with Russell Wilson. Chiefs did a good draft, they had to, but getting rid of Tyreek Hill steps them a little bit back. So, man, it's anyone's game in that AFC West and someone's going to come last in that division. Like all of them would be having hopes or have their eyes set on the Super Bowl. And one of them is, or two of them potentially, 
are not going to make the playoffs even. So that is going to that puts a lot of people in the hot seat. Oh my days! <laughs> One of the dogs is just uh, knocking at the door. Scared me. Ghosts. Um, anyway, a <laughs> lot of hot seats in that division. Whichever teams do not make the playoffs, especially because every team but the Chiefs took a step forward this year. So the gap between the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders and Broncos is even closer now. And I'm interested to see. I don't. I don't get the reasoning from Green Bay. Like, why give away your your wide receiver? And you know what? It wasn't a money thing. Devontae Adams said, Green Bay and the Raiders offered me the exact same contract and it was the highest you could go. And he just chose to get out. He said, I'm done. And to be honest, I would be too. Green Bay last couple years have lost back-to-back NFC championship games, like the semifinals in a row. And a really, really... Poor loss in the playoffs, leaving a bad taste in your mouth last year, losing to the 49ers, and where they only put up 10 points, and San Francisco beat them without even having to score an offensive touchdown. That is just pure embarrassment. So it just shows you, hey, like the the, Sean Watson, I think he had the similar thought of, I'm just not going to win a championship here. I just can't do it. And Aaron Rodgers isn't enough. So I think wise call by uh, Devontae Adams to get the hell out of there, link up with his college bro, and run it back. See if they can do better. See if they can dethrone these Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm all for it. I want. I love to see it. Um, again, it leaves the door open for all the teams in Green Bay's division too. I'm looking at you, Vikings. I'm looking at you... Yep, just the Vikings, because Chicago Bears and Detroit are in shambles. So I'm looking at you, Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, let's go. My guy. (laughs) Okay, shifting gears a little bit. That's enough NFL. We're going to go to the NHL, the Stanley Cup, the hockey. Uh, Let's check in on how paths and my teams are going in this Stanley Cup playoff series. So, I picked in the East, New York Rangers, and they're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it's tied up. We had a game six today, and the Rangers won. Thank goodness, man. Rangers took care of business at home, and they've forced the game seven against these Penguins. So, thank goodness. Let's go. My Rangers are still alive. My team in the West was the Calgary Flames. And man, what is it with my teams in Game 7s? They played today and they lost. So now the, the, the series is at 3-all as well. So it goes back to Calgary for a Game 7 in a couple days' time. So both my teams are in like a penalty shootout in a must-win game. Win or go home. Game 7. Come on, guys. <laughs> okay, let's check on Pavs. Pavs was saying she wanted the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, and they had a tough matchup against Tampa Bay Lightning, the team trying to go for the three-peat. And that is also in a Game 7. Series is tied 3-all, and the Game Seven's tomorrow. Jeez. Okay. What was her second team? 
Oh, yes. She picked the Colorado Avalanche for the cool name. And my goodness, they took care of business all right. Colorado Avalanche sweeping. They went up 4-0. Easy win. No need for game five, six, or seven when you win the first four. Goodness. Okay. Easy. Yeah, they took care of the Predators, the Florida Predators, easily. Wow. My days. All right. Well, they're on to the next round. That's a good pick. One of her picks is safe. Let's see if hopefully at least one of my teams can get through. Come on, Rangers. Come on, uh, Calgary Flames. Let's go. All righty. You let me know how your teams have gone throughout these playoffs too. We'll see who's can get the furthest. Hopefully it's a showdown at the end between my Rangers and, and Pav's Avalanche or something. How cool would that be? Alrighty. Wrapping the show up or the episode today up with a question or a suggestion by one of Pav's work colleagues, Elise, was she was saying... She goes for GWS and, you know, the coach is stepping down at the moment. So she wants me to have a, have a chat about that and, um, yeah, what my thoughts were. And it's interesting because I actually um, worked with GWS's academy um, AFL team as a physio and really enjoyed my time there. It was, it was really fun. It was, it was tough. It's a, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of late nights and hard work, but it's rewarding. It's nice being part of a team. Like it's like you're part of a family or a community and great to see them do well. And, you know, you feel like you're just out there on the field with them when, when they're winning and scoring goals and the heartbreak of defeats or close games is, is uh, amplified as well. Um, you really buy into those sort of team environments. So yeah, great memories with them and great times uh, being a physio there, but um, yeah, so their coach is going to step down uh, this Saturday against the last game playing against Carlton this week. Um, so a bit sad. This coach, and it's said to be a mutual decision between Leon Cameron, uh, the coach who's stepping down, and the GWS board and management as to why he's stepping down. Um, you know, he's been the coach for the last. Uh, nine seasons and he his current contract actually has him extended to the end of this season but he's stepping down now after eight rounds and um you know the interim head coach is going to be uh, Mark McVeigh a former Essendon player um is going to take the reins for the rest of the year um but the main reason why Leon Cameron is calling it quits is just sort of the lifestyle and what coaching entails is sort of wearing him down um you know he spoke about the non-stop sort of uh intensity of training sessions and preparation that goes into getting all the players and staff ready um you know having to travel uh all across the state um as well as interstate um every two or three days it's really tough on his family life and family situation as you could imagine, right? And it shows the sort of gravity of his decision when he is not like being recruited by another, you know, he's a good coach. He took GWS to the grand final only two years ago and has won many playoff games with them in just their short history as a club. Um, but it shows that 
you know, he's not signing for a different team or he's not trying to go and coach um, at a lower level. He's totally giving up coaching and, um, you know, because of coaching for a while and, um, you know, being smart with his earnings, like doesn't have to work or anything. So just totally taking a break and just wants to live the family life and, yeah, take a chill, be still. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds like coaching as you could imagine, would just be, would wear you down. And he's taken on a massive burden and has the respect from anyone that supports or knows the story of this club as he'd only started, you know, 10, 12 years ago where they were just given all the, the, you know, young up and comers, all the, you know, best sort of draft picks or top prospects from around the country, but just keen eyed and, uh, yeah, not super developed, uh, had to sort of build it from the ground up, uh, just crazy what he's been able to accomplish and build a team from in those first couple years. It was, it was a joke. I remember looking at the table every year and it was them and the, the Gold Coast Suns and just going, damn, this, these teams are never going to be competitive, man. Again, like they need to relegate them, you know. These teams won't last. They're going to go into administration, you know. You can't expect fans to come out to games where you're losing by 100 points, like a team is beating you 150 to 50. Um, but they just, credit to them, they chipped away and they brought in and attracted quality coaching staff and then from there, quality veterans to give good mentoring and training to the younger guys and yeah, build up these teenagers and, um, yeah, keen-eyed youngsters into great veteran players and great leaders and contributors for their team and went on a few finals runs, haven't been able to secure the premiership. Um, man, what a moment that will be when they're able to do it. But I think just the the long road it's taken, um, yeah, has really worn down on Liam Cameron. So... Yeah, credit to him, but I think he's given every last bit of blood, sweat, and tears he he has uh, for GWS. So, again, I'm interested to see, you know, they say it's a mutual decision, but they lost that final two years ago, and it was not competitive. Like I said, it reminded me back of the early days where that, that final, they lost it by, like, 70, 80 points, I think. It was, like... 50 to oh yeah almost like 50 to 130 I think it was it was a bit embarrassing like GWS kicked the first goal in that game and then they didn't kick another goal for until like the fourth quarter or something like it was a madness um so I just wonder if the the higher-ups at GWS are kind of like uh pushing him out the door a little bit or even maybe a bit thankful going yeah he did a great job but he probably he ran his course and he probably took us as far as he could go. And I'm keen to see who they, who they put in uh, his shoes long-term to try to build and extend and get that first premiership. Alrighty. We're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for tuning in. We've done the biggest off season moves in the NFL. We've touched on and kept our, Hockey kept it accountable here, seeing how our teams are going, and covered a bit on the AFL as per your request, Elise. So, shout out to you. Um, let me know if you want me to keep 
breaking down things in the AFL round by round or what's going on in the ladder at the moment. Maybe I can touch on that next episode. Um, again, NFL, not NFL, NBA playoffs are still rolling. Had a few games yesterday and today. So next episode, I want to get that one out quickly as these basketball games, man. Even the playoffs, like, did you play today? No? Well, you're playing tomorrow. So <laughs> there is always content to be had. Um, I appreciate you listening. Yeah, wherever you are right now, whatever time it is for you, hope you're having a great day. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you. You take it easy. Bye.